0: This is
1: episode 72. Hey, it's Davis here. Just a quick thank you to our sponsors for this podcast. Today in business, first impressions are so important. When people call you or your business, the first voice that they hear can make them form an opinion of you immediately. Instant voicemails can help with that. They provide professional, outgoing voicemail greetings in an instant. So simply go to instantvoicemails.com, pick the message that suits you and your business and download it instantly. You can have a new, professional, outgoing message in just minutes. I checked out their website and this is legit beautiful voicemails that you can use for your business. And for our listeners for the Business Generals podcast, you can get an additional 15% off your order by using the promo code Generals. G-E-N-E-R-A-L-S. G-E-N-E-R-A-L-S. That's Generals. So order now at instantvoicemails.com. That's instantvoicemails.com. Get over there downloaded in an instant. Choose what you need. That's instantvoicemails.com. Welcome and thank you for joining me here on the Business Generals Podcast where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs five days a week. I am so glad that you joined us here today. Remember also click subscribe on your podcast player whether that's iTunes or Stitcher Radio so that you do not miss an episode. It's Davis Montewa here, your host. Very, very excited today to bring you today's feature guest, Mr. Nelson Dellas. Nelson, welcome to the Business Generals Podcast. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, Nelson Dallas is one of the world's leading memory experts. He is a memory athlete, a keynote speaker, and a memory consultant. He's also a four-time USA memory champion. He is one of the co-founders of Memory League, a new type of competitive platform that allows memory enthusiasts to challenge each other. He is also the founder of Climb for Memory. He preaches a lifestyle that combines fitness, both mental and physical, with proper diet and social involvement. Nelson, once again, welcome to the show. Kick us off by telling us a little bit about your non-business background.
0: Yeah, sure. So I uh, I grew up in uh, the UK, uh, traveling um, and moving a lot as a young kid between Europe and Miami, Florida. Uh, I ended up in Miami, Florida doing my uh, degree in physics and then a master's degree in computer science, which is what uh, my first real job was, was coding um, for a company up in Boston. And that's about the same time I discovered uh, memory. And and that's when I transitioned to that as I started winning championships.
1: Okay. So you're a computer scientist. And um, did you say physics degree
0: as well? Yeah. My my dream back in the day was to be uh, an astronaut. I think I'm too tall, maybe. But uh, that's why I, I got deep into uh, physics and did a lot of astrophysics research. But that's a long time ago. I don't know if I, funnily enough, I don't remember a lot of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that sounds like a difficult degree. So you moved, moved to the U.S. and um, you jumped into, into being a memory enthusiast. How did that come about?
0: Right. So my grandmother, who um, on my dad's side was French. Uh, my family background is French-Belgian. And um, she was suffering from Alzheimer's for quite some time, and she eventually passed away in 2009. Her passing is really what inspired me to start being interested and fascinated by the topic of memory. And, uh, you know, I had seen her mind just slip away, and I didn't want the same thing to happen to me. So I discovered this thing called the US Memory Championship, which, to my surprise, was all. Average people who had just learned some techniques and then practiced. There was no, you know, gifted people or savants that you might think would be at these people, people with photographic memories. It was all kind of everyday people, pizza delivery guys, former war veterans, whatever, school moms. um, And they just learned these ancient techniques and then just practiced a lot. The guy who would win or the girl who would win was the one who practiced the most. And that was really when it hit me that, hey, maybe memory is like a skill, like any other skill. And maybe I can uh, learn it. Maybe I can win this thing. And so that started me off of my journey. That's great. And I wanted to ask you, you talked
1: about your grandma and Alzheimer's. So you've also founded Climb for Memory, which is associated to raising awareness. So what is the current sort of research around what you're doing now versus, you know, being able to fight that in terms of down the track?
0: Uh, It's not very clear yet. uh, I've seen studies that are pro uh, keeping your brain active. And some say that it doesn't really make a difference past a certain point. Um, But I'm a believer in just the training that I've done and the transformation that my own memory has gone through over the years. That it has to make a difference. You know, it's, it's the difference between uh being a fit person your whole life versus someone who never does exercise and then looking at both of those people at an old age right one of them probably is going to be in worse condition right and if you could guess who it is it's probably the one who was not fit and so i think of it like that i mean if i keep my brain fit i'm going to have a healthier brain for longer and even when my mind is inevitably inevitably uh, slipping because of some disease I feel like having these tools would be a crutch uh, to maybe push it off
1: a little bit longer. You know, awesome. Well, love what you're doing, and uh, I commend you for it. It's o- it's always inspiring when when your life gets a bit of a, you know a bolt or a jolt, rather to right. to to force you to go into a, a one specific direction. And obviously, that was significant enough for you that it has brought you to where you are today. I believe you probably wouldn't be talking with me or any other of the. The people that you've been sharing um, your stage with—if um, it wasn't for that event and for the action that you took—so I want to go go there and find out. You know what? What are you doing today? And um, are you are you full time? And what what are your core revenue streams in your business?
0: It's funny that I'm on an entrepreneur uh, podcast because I, for sure what I do is is entrepreneurial. I have this business that. It's hard to define, and uh, it's not always clear where I'm going to get my my revenue from in the you know in the next coming year. And I've had to figure that out over the years. But I'm not a business guy, so this has always been a challenge for me. And you know that's why I went to school is I wanted to study something and become something that was like very easily defined. And so when I found myself in this position where you know I had won a few memory championships. Um, I had gotten a lot of attention from the media and then suddenly a lot of requests for speaking engagements or appearances to do, I don't know, commercials for different brands or um, being a Mm. spokesperson and whatnot. And suddenly I had to say like, okay, this is something that could actually, I could survive using uh, from this revenue stream. How do I take that further? Because what happened is I had to step away from my... Degree, right? I'm not, not, not my degree. I got my degree, but I had to step away from what I, everything I learned, all the skills that I had uh, with mm. the memory thing. I'm not using them anymore. I wasn't coding. I, I, I wasn't using any physics. I was doing memory and speaking, and that was new to me. But I was good at it, and I enjoyed it because it gave me a lot of free time to do what I wanted and work on other ideas I had. So uh, it was a journey, you know. And from the start, it wasn't clear, and I kind of have to find my way. And and so now, the majority of my revenue stream comes from um, speaking engagements, um, doing different events, memory-related, spokesperson deals, uh, which aren't that many, but here and there. And and then, it's hard to say. Some are just these off... They're all memory-related, but they're kind of off the beaten track. Some aren't so clear. I do some consulting work for some research companies that are involved in memory. And um, and now I'm working on an app. Uh, I have a book coming out next year. So these kind of things all together keep me afloat. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, that's very, very interesting. And, and you are right. I was actually thinking... Um, this will be a, a little bit different from you know your standard sort of um, entrepreneurial. You've you've gone out and started a business for the purposes of generating profit and for the purposes of you know producing a product or a service. Whereas, what I loved about your story is you know you've you've got a masters in in uh, in coding or computer science and a degree in physics. So you you're a typical sort of um, person who's gone out and, and, and studied to be in a certain field. You, generally in a corporate role and then you've you've pivoted in your life and gone down this this sort of arts way this arts pathway right. and and it's it's generated it's brought you into a different sphere so i wanted to walk through a little bit about that metamorphosis of what happened for you in that story because for me it says to me even though so my background is accounting and i've got a postgraduate in accounting and finance so Somebody else might be listening to this, and they've got an engineering background, or they've, they've they've done an arts degree, or whatever they've studied, or maybe not even studied, but they've gone out in a certain career pathway, and now they're trying to pivot. Now they're trying to to shift. So, what steps did you take, and what made you step away from your normal job?
0: Right. So, I loved my job uh, that I had. I was working uh, for a company called Wolfram Research. They uh, had have, have a the website still exists. It's called Wolfram Alpha, and you can type in questions and it answers it or calculates it. It's kind of like a smarter Google. And so I was working on the language side of that. So what I always looked for was something that satisfied my mind. And so that job I loved because it made me think we're trying to analyze language and parse language. It was really cool. So I loved it, right? It, It satisfied me there but of course the corporate grind, you know, it was, a. I mean, it was the most relaxed corporate setting ever. It was in Boston near Harvard and we could work from the couch and wear whatever we wanted. It wasn't formal at all. So I was very lax for a corporate job, but you know, when this memory stuff started happening, I was training and doing all the media interviews, whatever on the side. I had to find time during my lunch break before I went to work or after work. And, um, You know, I was fine with it, um, but it was getting stressful. I I didn't know how I was going to manage it all together. And what it took was an offer that I got from a company that wanted to do one event uh, in Park City um, with another memory guy. And we both went on stage. We did our thing. And afterwards, the head of marketing came up to me and said, look, we love you. Um, Not so much the the other guy, but we want to work with you specifically. How do we do that? Mm Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'd never been approached any way like this before. So, you know, I said, let me think about it. I don't know what that looks like, but uh, let's let me see. So I came back to him and I think I told him at the time, this was a number of years ago, that like, I don't know how I'd be able to balance it all. And he said, look, we've done sponsorship kind of deals, brand ambassadorship ship um, type things. What would it take for you to? quit your job and just focus on memory entirely meaning mm-hmm. you can train for these competitions and represent our brand and do events with us you know bi-monthly or something like have you on retainer basically Yeah. And so I, I told him a number basically the salary that I was getting at the other place and mm-hmm. back, a little back and forth that was it was set and this was October 2011 once I signed that you know I said okay I don't need my other job I can do this full time. And at the time, I didn't really think that I was changing my career or pivoting, really. All I thought of it as is, okay, I'm just putting my my normal career path on hold um, and taking advantage of what's in front of me right now. I didn't really think to the future, which I think was a good thing there's maybe some bad sides to it too, but I think that's what led me to find myself in this. And, um, yeah. And so once I found myself in that position, you know, the first few months were great. I'm just doing what I want. I'm working with this company, but then I start to realize, okay, this is not going to last forever. How do I maintain this? And the other thing on the side is I, I, I couldn't go back to a a normal corporate job, right? I had to keep doing what I I'm doing. So that's when i really started to figure out how do i i've kind of made this pivot unintentionally um but how do i make it now my my path you know yeah very
1: very interesting so it kind of came to you but you had to put in quite a bit of work i would imagine to actually get to that point where you're winning competitions how long did that take
0: exactly yeah i mean i had to do the work to become that memory champion and luckily uh I mean I only became that because I had such a passion for it and the passion came from the inspiration uh, of my grandmother left me and and the drive to not end up like her and then also I just loved the whole process of memorization I just got hooked to it and you know that's I don't know what that is you may have the same inspiration like if, if you were in my shoes and you had your grandmother pass away um, and had this that same drive, that could be the same. But you may not have that same interest in memory like I did. I, I don't know what it is that made it that way, but we all have our interests like that. And you can't describe it. You just like that thing and you're all into it. So that was my thing. And, you know, that's that's where the hard work. W- it wasn't easy, but it made it easier uh, to work at it. I wanted to be the best and I wasn't going to let anybody else be the best. So. Every night, every morning, every moment I had to myself when I wasn't working or doing something else, I was training my memory and nothing else mattered. And, you know, again, it was one of those situations. I didn't really think that my hard work would pay off in terms of a career, but Mm. it did. Uh, I just had a very narrow focus. I just wanted to win the competition. That was it. Nothing else mattered. Yeah. So um, how, how many
1: hours and how long did you spend like one year, two years, three years getting ready for the first competition that you won?
0: Yeah. So I started getting serious about it the summer of 2009. That was right after my grandmother passed away. The competition is every March in New York City. So in 2010, March was when I put my training to the test. And I actually didn't win that year. I came in third place and lost mm. in the finals on um, kind of a stupid error. But um, I did really well. Uh, a lot of people were surprised. They didn't know who I was. I kind of came out of the woodworks. <laughs> uh, but that that drive kind of um, it put me in a position to train even more seriously the next year. So 2011 was my first win. And I'd say in terms of hours... I was training every single day for at least well before I, I officially quit my job in the end of 2011. I was maybe doing two three hours a day hmm. just
1: memorizing. Yeah, that's that's a lot when you've been in a in a, in a coding job all day, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I will admit that I did do some practice while at work, but trying to uh,
1: memorize code were you?
0: Well, no, I, I mean, I, that would have been the way to go about it, but I was memorizing <laughs> numbers and cards kind of secretly without my boss saying.
1: <laughs> yeah. So what what is the, before I get into some of your, the mechanics of your business model, but what is the one thing that people could do that can catapult your memory retention skills?
0: Yeah. A great question. Um, well, there's two parts really I think I should share. One is, really obvious, but in this day and age, it's something that we don't really do that often, and that's paying attention. Trying to focus on one thing at a time. It's so easy to try and multitask. It's so easy to try and multitask. So you got to put down your device, put down your book, stop doing something else, and focus on the thing you want to learn or memorize. And that, that alone will do a huge number on your memory. Um, the second tip is to always try to think in pictures so our brains are not very good at memorizing abstract stuff like numbers or names or directions or whatever um so what you have to do is turn those things by association into pictures visual imagery in your mind our our brains work really well with pictures and we think in associations we think in metaphors so um, if you can relate something that's unknown or new Uh, to something you already know in your head that's in the form of a picture then you're on your way to memorizing i've had um
1: people who call me miles because my name is davis my first name is davis which is a little bit unusual so people i think associate oh miles davis and then you hear hi miles and i'm like no no no, i know where you're going with this
0: (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) um so that's interesting Okay, I want to step no. back into into a little bit more about your story. So, you've got the first gig with this um company and you're going to be their brand ambassador or this endorsement deal. So, what do you do next because I'm not I'm I'm sure they didn't pay you a lump sum for the full 12 months salary. So, you were getting it I don't know, intermittently and you knew at the back of your mind as you said before, um you took a bit of a risk before because this was probably not going to last forever. So, what was your growth strategy at that point? Because if not, this your only income is coming from your, your memory and your speaking um, engagements.
0: So I, I should also mention at that time, I had a friend of mine put me in touch with uh, someone who became my agent and he was promising a lot. So, you know, I got this one endorsement deal and it felt like according to my agent, that a lot more were going to come. So that was what was going in my head. I was kind of leaving it up to him and just young and naive expecting the best. Um, I ended up having to part ways with him because I felt like he was a bit of a crook and he didn't deliver on anything. So um, once that happened, yeah, I was alone with this one deal and kind of like, I mean, there was no... we we didn't put any time limit on the deal. I mean, it was a year by year thing and they were happy with what I was doing. So I probably able to do it for a couple of years at minimum, but yeah, you could kind of feel this clock ticking, you know, at the beginning I said, yeah, I'll probably just go back to coding something. That's fine. But as the further I got away from that, uh, the more I realized that I didn't want to go back to that. And it might be actually harder for me to get a job because what am I going to put on my resume that I took a year off, two years off to, to train my memory. That's kind of bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was in the back of my head the first you know year or so it wasn't a big of an issue, but as that year came around, um, I started to think, okay, well maybe my, my play here is I try to find more endorsement deals, try to find interesting ways, um, or different, inter- interesting companies that, have something to do with the mind, the brain, memory, right? And I actually got in contact with a company that was in the memory space, of Brain Health, um, and it was um, a supplement company that um, does all sorts of health supplements, not necessarily just the brain, but they had a brain product. Um, and they had sponsored mm-hmm. memory championship in the past, so I had some contacts there. And yeah, they um, we wor- work together. We still work together, actually. But that was the second, kind of the second deal that I closed. And so with those two together, I felt in a very good position. Plus, mm-hmm. um, I'd get a speaking engagement here or there. I wasn't pushing for them, um, but if I do a. You know, an interview on TV, or you know, I won a championship, and I'd get some media from that. Uh, I usually would get some inquiries about what I charge to speak and stuff like that. So, but as as I moved forward, I realized that the speaking engagements, I actually love those. Um, I love teaching people, and I love inspiring people. Mm-hmm. So, I wanted to do more with that, and I figured that might be the easiest way to kind of grow and spread and have more people see me. So. Um, that's kind of where I started leaning towards instead of the endorsement deals. Cause I, I think I was extremely lucky. I don't think what I was, uh, what I found was the norm, but the speaking engagements, that's something I could definitely grow into, you know, multiple gigs a month, um, you know, mm-hmm. with no end. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I tried to switch towards, um, after the first
1: year, second year passed. Right now, talking about speaking, one of the things that I was I was going to ask you is your, your TED talk. Um, how did that come about, and what did that sort of do for your brand? I know you've had lots of TV appearances from what you're yep. saying, so I want I want to hear a comparison of, with that.
0: Yeah, the TED talk uh, was from 2012, um, and yeah, I, that's that one was a game changer for me because I, I would do speaking engagements before that, but they were mm. kind of not weak, but yeah, I just kind of wing it. I didn't really have a good presentation. I just did my thing. People liked it, but it wasn't. didn't look like I was a professional speaker, I don't think. And so for that one, it was down here in Miami. It was a TEDx um, talk. So they reached out to me. There was a teacher at the school that they were holding it at who knew me through a person who knew me or something. So right. they reached out to me. It was their first TEDx events so they wanted you know something really exciting and kind of out there and that's how they came up with me and yeah so that was the first kind of real talk that I knew would be on go that would go on the internet and that people would reference it for a long time it's a TED talk right so I knew that I kind of had to get my stuff together and do something nice and impactful and I don't think it's my best talk, but I think it was my best talk at that time. And I think it really set the path for how I do my speaking engagements, the energy, the the talking points, the demonstrations, things like that. Yeah, no, it's a good talk. I mean, I haven't heard uh, too many of your other
1: talks, but I listened to it and I watched it and I thought... That's great. And, you know, saying that it was back in 2012, that's what, five years ago, I'm sure I'm sure you've grown in oh, leaps yeah. and bounds since then. But I, I bring it up because um, I was interviewing um, maybe a week or two ago, a lady called um, Trisha Brooke, and she's an organizer for the Lincoln Square TED Talk um, events. And um, I was just talking to her about how she, she trains people to go and give your big talk um, in, a, in a sort of a TED Talk fashion, and I've been curious to find out what, what is the impact of a TED talk. So it's good to get that feedback from you and just to hear how that went for you. So how did you prepare for that? Did you actually prepare a a presentation and is that your new format when you're doing keynotes, you've got a standard keynote that you deliver or a couple keynotes?
0: Yeah, I mean, I prepared for a while. Um, I wanted something memorable. Um, And I think before that, a lot of what I did was without a presentation. And my thought process was, well, a memory talk. I want people to focus on what I'm saying, not on a presentation behind me. But I I slowly realized, especially for the TED talk, that not everyone works that way. And I think it's not bad to have some visuals. Actually, it's probably good to have visuals, just as long as it's not something where people have to look at the screen and read it, you know, and Mm. then that's distracting uh, or detracting from my talk. So I decided I'll do a presentation. I think I used a I didn't want to do a PowerPoint, so I used something called Prezi, which I don't use anymore, but I was fascinated by it because it was an alternative, an interesting and visually um, different approach to the typical uh, PowerPoint presentation, so... Um, and it, it kind of fed into my whole memory technique, which is you know talk about a story and 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 move around and and use locations to store things. And this whole presentation was based on moving around a room, so that kind of uh, prepared for it a long time. Um, but now my my speeches have turned into I don't use that software anymore, but I, I have a deck. I call it a deck rather than a presentation. It's, I, I do have a fixed one that I typically use, but I have different versions of it depending on who I'm talking to, whether it's businessmen or schools or it's more of like a show off thing, you know, show my skills off uh, versus mm-hmm. uh, how can you as a business or employee benefit from my techniques, you know? Yeah, that's good. And you've obviously evolved on that.
1: So I want to pause for for a second and just let everybody listening that um, we're going to prepare a summary of all the discussion we're having here. We call it a free PDF show highlight reel. And so you can find that at businessgenerals.com forward slash Nelson D. That's businessgenerals.com forward slash Nelson D. So that's your free PDF show highlight reel that you can download for this episode um i want to continue on with your story so now you've focused in on speaking as kind of your primary go-to target so how many gigs for instance today do you do in a year and and are you are you pushing that more and how are you growing that strategy now
0: yeah i'm getting about uh i'd say two or so a month which is good um i also teach at the university down here okay and I, like i said i have other things going on so in between 2012 and now um yes i was leaning towards more speaking gigs but funnily enough i now i'm kind of leaning back from them um mainly because I, what i realize it's been five six years seven years now um doing the memory stuff that speaking gigs are great but I have to do them. And so the more that I want, the more that I have to do. And a lot of these aren't just like, you know, go to work every day. It's travel across the globe, you know, which takes two, three days round trip. And then you're exhausted. You do a speech and you're right back out. You know, um, there's only so many you can do with without just being wrecked. And it's a lot of effort mm-hmm. to, to put on that energy every night or every day And answer a lot of the same questions you know it's it's draining so my focus after a few years of that has been how do I do what I do and make more of a passive income where I don't really have to perform as Nelson the memory guy right I can do my memory thing but navigate my knowledge and expertise um, through different pathways you know
1: interesting and and thank you for being so candid about that because sometimes we see this glamorous thing about being a global speaker and you're away from home for you know i've interviewed people who are away for 40 weeks in a year or you know 48 weeks yeah, in a year and they're only fun. home for four weeks so that's a lot living in hotels and eating hotel food and, and that kind of lifestyle and it's probably good money if you can pull in all those gigs sure. but then You've got no lifestyle. It's all dependent on you. So, so congratulations to you for actually stepping away and trying to, trying to, you know, recalibrate your, your business model. Um, so I always want to understand just as a, as a measuring stick, if you were to look back onto your, you know, your science career and you look at, you know, where you are today, would you say, you know, revenue wise, you would be, Better off now because you've stepped into your own business model, or better off if you had continued on being a coder and being in that <laughs> um, field. I know there's different there's just other facets of life that are not just revenue based or income based, but what what would you say um, your numbers st- stack up to?
0: That's that's a really really good question. I've never thought about it before, but you know what? I think I think I'm better off now. The the only difference would be that if I had stuck to what I was doing before all this. I'd have a steady, steadier, um, more predictable salary. Now it, I, I don't always know exactly where I'm going to fall. It, it usually is fine, but it's it's a little more ebb and flow, you know. Yeah. No. Thanks for that. That's that's great, and I think it's
1: it's important for because sometimes. Um, we over-dramatize becoming a business owner and just say, you know, do that and that's going to be the best thing in the world. And to some degree, it is if that's what your passion is. But to another degree, it's not always rosy and you've got to work a little bit harder. Whereas yeah. a job, it's giving you a paycheck, but then, you know, you can't really grow your paycheck too much um, in different roles unless maybe you, you're going back to school and doing extra hours, etc. But a business, you can double your income in one year because you've, you've decided to do something Dramatically different, like what you're doing. You're going into right. app development. You're writing a book. So, talk to me about your app development that you're working on.
0: And one quick thing I wanted to say before I jump into that is the beauty about being an entrepreneur and having that freedom is, you know, if I am in that ebb phase, there's always something I can do. I can work harder. I can come up with something. I, that's that's the thing. Is I always know I can figure it out. If I'm in a tough spot, mm-hmm. I can. That's the freedom I have, where if I had a job, yeah, I can climb the ladder, I guess, but I'm pretty much there, right? And I'm going to do that job and get that salary, and that's it. That's the future of my life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, and that's the freedom we get. And that that kind of led me to this app idea. It was obvious from the start that I should have some type of app, but I didn't really pursue it until, you know, I was kind of sick of the, the speaking stuff so much. So, you know, my ultimate goal has always been how do I spread what I've learned to as many people as possible? And, you know, the speaking that fed into it, of course, but as I wanted to make it more of a passive thing and not have to do that as a one man show, a book or an app seemed the way to go, right? Or some type of online course. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to describe where it all starts from because it's, it's usually you meet one person who, You do something with, and that leads to another idea, and that leads to another contact. So there were a number of steps to get to the point where I was in a position to start creating an app. And Mm -hmm. one thing led to another. I I was developing basically software for actually a memory competition of my own with another memory guy in Australia, actually. And um, he was more of a coder than I was. And so he helped develop the, the back end of it where I developed the idea of it. And together, we created this thing, which was called the Extreme Memory Tournament. Hmm. And uh, we ran three years of, of a competition using this digital software. Um, it was like a memory training software, basically, um, designed to show on screen what was happening when two memory competitors were going head-to-head memorizing stuff. Um, because a lot of these memory competitions that have been ex- in existence for um, all these years, they're all analog. There are no... Hmm. It's really boring to watch, uh, to be honest, because you're looking at people studying, essentially, right? So our idea was how do we show what people are, memory people are doing, you know, on a screen? The only way to do that is digital. So we had the software and then um, through some other context, we kind of joined forces with this thing called Art of Memory, which has um, it's a couple of friends of mine, their brothers, and they had this forum, this online forum where you could post questions about memory or learn memory techniques. And their grand vision was to have a one stop shop to learn memory, anything, and to train and all that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, we started working together, and and that's what we've been um, trying to get out there. We just we did a Kickstarter, and we've finally been delivering the the beta products from that
1: Oh, right. that's that's a really interesting what i love about this is you've found a problem in the market that you play in and a pain point that you've started to solve and now you've you've developed that idea software and i'm guessing this is what is evolving into an app so what was it in your kickstarter campaign
0: yeah it was um i mean it was exactly what i said it's um uh, a place where you can learn the art of memory Um, So there's tutorials for beginners. There's training software so you can practice every day. Um, There's the components that we had developed before where you can online. It's gamified so you can play against other people who are interested online and measure your success versus others. There's different levels to break. Um, And then there's the forum aspect so you can have these conversations about memory. There's tools you can use to develop your systems and things like that. So it's everything... That comes with memory training and learning about memory, um, all in one place, um, th- which doesn't really okay. exist. I mean, there are, you know, there's test-taking apps and language learning apps, and there are some memorizing apps, but nothing where it's all inclusive like that. So, so the Kickstarter
1: campaign was to market this software that you've you oh, created, and
0: yeah, yeah, How it was. It- what ground. was the result of it? Yeah, we 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 asked for twenty grand, uh, and we made it. Um, I think with a bit of uh, a little over, and yeah, that was enough to get our our beta version out, which we're still it's it's come out in phases, and we're we're I think we're on the last phase here. So very interesting. I haven't heard anybody use um,
1: Kickstarter campaign for that um mostly it's you know for physical products or for 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 development of something like that so so did you actually have any money invested in the deal before you went on kickstarter or did you just wait for the 20k to come in
0: no we didn't yeah we just waited for the 20k and uh and yeah so we're a subscription based app and and a lot of the funds that we've been using have come from the, the competition software that i mentioned which a lot of the memory world and beginners as well have used to practice and play the kickstarter was adding the features where you could develop your systems and learn tutorials
1: things like that okay gotcha so i was getting a bit lost there right so there's there's another element to your original competition software that is more like a an online course really isn't it yeah yeah you'd say that mm look sounds good i'm loving this story so so today your business is, is evolving you've got you've gone through speaking you've gone through um you know endorsements now you're doing app development and you're also working on on a book deal before i get to your book i wanted to i've I've always been curious so you've got a wikipedia thing i don't know why they call those things but you've got a wikipedia page if i can call a page how did you get that yeah. did you do that or did someone else do that for you and what are the hacks that somebody can can as a business owner do that for <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I I never wanted a, a Wikipedia page, um, but somewhere down the road I met someone who was my mentor for a little while, and she said, "Where's your Wikipedia page?" And I said, "What Wikipedia page?" Um, <laughs> and so she said, "Well, look, um, I work with this company that can write it for you um, and put it up." And so they did, and I, I, you know, I think what I learned, I always thought that you could just edit a Wikipedia page and post whatever you want, but you've actually got to have all your, everything you put up there, the information has to be documented somewhere um, or sourced or cited uh, from something online. So, and a, and a reputable source too. So, luckily, of all the media I've had, um, there's a lot out there, you know, my origin, my story, what I've done here and there. So, that's basically what was pulled together on that um, that Wikipedia page. And it's been great because it's, I think it's it comes up when you search my name. So, it's just a quick way to get that so yeah yeah, I hate to tell someone that you have to pay to get it Um, (laughs) I had a contact who did it for me but I guess the key thing is to make sure that you have uh, sources and articles or some information about you that you can use to cite the things you want to write on your Wikipedia page that's the first step once you have that you can get anybody to write it for you Um, if you know I mean message me I'll do it for you I did it for a friend recently so yeah good thanks for sharing that
1: I want to ask you a random question. So, what is the craziest thing that you've done in your journey as a memory athlete?
0: Well, like the craziest thing I've memorized, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so last year for World Alzheimer's Day, which was September 21st, I decided to memorize Pi, which is, um, you know, that 3.141, the number keeps going. So, but it wasn't just going to be memorize it. To a crazy amount of digits, it was going to be trying to beat this one record, which is memorize ten thousand digits of pi. Um, which I know it's, it sounds so wimpy. <laughs> I mean, the record the record is I think over a hundred thousand digits. Um, but ten thousand still is is formidable uh, of a task. Um, but the the record was someone is going to quiz me on five digit chunks somewhere within that ten thousand. And they're going to ask me 50 of them. And what I have to do is say the next five digits and the previous five digits before each chunk. 50 times with no mistakes uh, and in a certain amount of time. So, yeah, that, that might have been the craziest thing. It took a long time to study it. Not only because I had to get 10,000 digits in my head, but I had to know every five-digit grouping. Um, like the back of my hand, I had to be able to recognize it really quickly. So, yeah. So 10,000 digits that would just
1: on its own, even if you're reading it off the screen, that would take you like, I don't know how long that would take you just to call them out.
0: Yeah, that would that would run your throat dry. It would take a few
1: hours. A few hours. And that, how did you go in the final competition or, or the, the, the presentation?
0: Yeah, yeah, so I actually didn't nail the challenge. Uh, it's super strict because it's, you make one mistake, you're done. So I think I made it to about halfway and I got stuck on one or I think I said I thought I had it and I said the wrong digit too fast kind of thing Mm. it's a brutal one I I I plan on mastering it at some point and trying again but it's going to take a lot more preparation it's it's a tough one but it's an impressive one I mean you have 10,000 digits in front of you as a judge and you can just choose any five and I, I should be able to know exactly where that number is you know that's challenging a computer, I think.
1: So you're doing well, mate. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Um, hey, what's been, what's been your biggest
0: breakthrough in your business? Uh, I think it's been not, not being afraid to um, delegate some of my workflow to people mm-hmm. who are good at the thing that I need. I used to think that I had to do everything myself. And so a lot of the times nothing would get done because it was something that I had to learn or figure out how to do or use. And I'd always put it off because it's such a I had so many other things to do or it was a daunting task. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm a beginner and I got to learn how to use, you know, Photoshop or whatever. So what I realized this was about 2013, 2014 is pay a little money to get the people who are good at what they do to do the little tasks that you need help with so that you can stay efficient in what you're best at and you'll still get really good quality and the other things that you're not so good at. Yeah, it costs a little more, but it's so worth it. Yeah. So, so yeah.
1: Do you do you get your presentations and your keynotes um, decks prepared by somebody else?
0: Uh, yeah, so that's one of the things, for example. Um, I don't anymore, um, but I got enough slides done for me back when so that I could cycle through them and anything that I need to add, I I have a, I can edit them myself now. And, um, the bulk of the work is done essentially is what I mean. Yeah. Good move. That that was huge because yeah, uh, that's exactly the example. Um, I didn't know how I was going to put together a memorable, well-designed, um, deck. Uh, and and so I, I got, I hired someone to do it for me and I have, I think I have a a really nice uh, presentation. That's great. Um, we're coming to
1: the end of the show. So I wanted to ask you a couple of um, sort of reach out questions. Sure. You've talked about the course that people, people can access. So how can people access that course if they want to know how to become better with their memory?
0: Yeah. So they can go to artofmemory.com and uh, all the information's there. They can sign up and they, it links to all the pieces there. If you want to just train your memory, play games, it's whatever you want to do, it's all at that place. Awesome.
1: So we'll link that up in our show notes, artofmemory.com. It's going to be also in our free PDF highlight reel at businessjournal.com forward slash Nelson D. Um, Nelson, best two books that you have read that have been inspirational for you on your journey as a business owner and as an
0: entrepreneur. Wow. Uh, I love many, many books. Um, One of my favorite books, um, Lone Survivor, which... Mm -hmm. um, It was a movie. Um, It turned into a movie, but it's a great uh, Navy SEALs kind of survival story uh, for those who don't know what it is. But that's, that's, that's the kind of thing that inspires me even in business is, you know, people who are in incredibly difficult situations and how they persevere. Right. Mm. Because if you can do that where your life is on the line, then, you know, nothing else matters. You can figure it out one way or the other in any other situation. So, That's a great book. I always gift that book um, to people if they want a good book to read. It's just it's it's crazy. Have you heard of it? Have you read it?
1: No, I've never heard of it. And it's the first time anybody has mentioned it on this show. And we're 71 episodes in. So, yeah, definitely good to have a new book on the list.
0: (laughs) Good, good. Um, And then another one is just a classic that I've loved since. And it's always opened my my creative mind um, every time I read it. Um, it's this book called uh, Girdle, Escher, and Bach, An Eternal Golden Braid by uh, Douglas Hofstetter, who is a cognitive scientist, and he wrote this book in the 70s. And in a word, it's a book about AI and artificial intelligence, but mm-hmm. it weaves in just everything that makes us creative and and think as a species, and it talks about math, which is Gödel, that's the famous mathematician. Escher, which is art, the famous artist that would draw things drawing itself, right? Uh, very interesting drawings. And then Bach, which is music. So he kind of weaves that all together in this inc- incredible book. That's It's a big book, um, but he writes so well and he uses these fun little um, thought exercises and storytelling that I just get lost in it every time and it inspires me to really think outside the box every time i i read it nice never heard of that one either so another great addition
1: to our list so thanks for that you're doing good <laughs> <laughs> what's the best way for people to connect with you nelson
0: uh they can go to my website it's and just there's a contact form you can just send me a message right there Okay,
1: great. nelsondallas.com and we can reach out to you there. Hey, that brings us to to um, so the my final question, but before I ask my final question, I want to thank you for being on this show. I want to thank you for, you know, all the people that You've been able to, to touch through all your, all your talks, all your TEDx talks. It sounds like you, you go into schools and different, different, um, university settings and things like that. I'm sure a lot of people's lives are being transformed through your journey. So, so thank you for stepping out when you did back in, um, 2000. And- nine or 11 you said before so and all these years just investing more and more into your craft and into your career now i've got a final question for you nelson um do you think about legacy and if you do um what legacy do you want to leave and be remembered for and tell us why
0: i do um and i think this is yeah it's it's always it's something i think about every day and i'd like to be remembered for just spreading the word about the brain and memory and you know, this, this thing that I've mastered is so ancient and fundamental to who we are. I mean, this was how information was passed on. This is how our civilizations were built. It was based on the art of memory. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's sad that nowadays, you know, we have so many devices that supplant our memories that we don't even use it anymore. And our memories suck. Our memories suffer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I hope that I can inspire others to get in touch with you know our our ancient minds and uh that it's something that everyone uses that it's taught in schools at a young age and that we all have this openness and understanding of what our memory uh, really is capable of thank you so much for sharing that. that's very inspirational i remember
1: the day when i remembered all the telephone numbers of all my friends and family and now i've probably only got like two two numbers in my head or something like that which is unfortunate yeah right <laughs> yeah <laughs> ladies and gentlemen there you have it that was mr nelson dellis uh leading memory expert and thanks for joining me and nelson on this show i hope you enjoyed that show and uh, if you did enjoy it please leave us a review on itunes and remember to head on over to businessgenerals.com forward slash nelson d to grab your special pdf show highlight reel of everything that we've discussed here with nelson and remember to click subscribe on your podcast player to connect with Nelson, you can find him at nelsondellis.com and you will also find that he's coming out with a book in 2018, so you can register for that book and uh, be, be the first person to be notified when that comes out. Nelson, thank you so much for being on the Business General's podcast today and for sharing your amazing story with us. Absolutely grateful for your time. You are a true Business General.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Take Take care.
1: A message from our sponsors, instantvoicemails.com. Today in business, first impressions are so important. When people call you or your business... The first voice that they hear can make them form an opinion about you immediately. And Instant Voicemails can help with that. They provide professional, outgoing voicemail greetings in an instant. So simply go to instantvoicemails.com, that's instantvoicemails.com, and pick the message that suits you and your business and download it instantly. You can have a new, professional, outgoing message in just minutes. And for the listeners of the Business General's podcast, you can get an additional 15% off your order by using the promo code generals g-e-n-e-r-a-l-s generals order now at instantvoicemails.com that's instantvoicemails.com